Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. I am your host, William John Sickens. Bill, Gretchen, hi. Hello. Hi. So, Bill, I heard a rumor that you didn't know my middle name. Nope. Found it out on paperwork I had to pick up today. We've known you for only known each other like fifteen years or something. So I mean, why would you know that? (laughs) Yeah. So Uh, anyway, we got a great show coming up for you this week. We're going to be looking at different aspects of technology, answering some questions, looking at some different things. And then next week we are going to be doing a Q and A. We've been asked for that and haven't gotten to it for a while. So that is coming up. Something to plan for. All right. Well, with no further ado. Let's see what we have in the news. Commercial lunar lander presumed lost after historic moon landing attempt. Yeah, so, you know, these things happen, I guess, especially when you're dealing with new technology. But uh, what we're dealing with is a situation here where a private enterprise had attempted to send up a lunar lander. So, in other words, uh, rover. And this was developed with some different companies. Uh, SpaceX was involved, uh, iSpace out of Japan, uh, the UAE had some people involved, and it went on from there. And they launched it, and then they lost communication with it. So it's considered lost. Now, I have heard a rumor that they think it did possible that it did crash on the moon, but I haven't been able to substantiate that. Although where it came from was someone that normally wouldn't just throw that out there if it, you know, there wasn't some (laughs) kind of backup. So you sure it wasn't aliens? (laughs) <laughs> well, it's it's possible. I mean, you know, with the Pentagon uh, sharing so many stories on the potential alien probes from motherships and all the rest of that lately, who knows what's going on, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Epic Games loses battle in battle with Apple over App Store rules. This is a case that's been going on for a while. And if you haven't heard about this, just to give a quick recap, Epic Games has been fighting with Apple on the idea that they are only allowed to distribute their software through the Apple store, right? The app store. Mm-hmm. And this is something that on a bigger level, there's been a lot of back and forth on, is this considered a monopoly? The only place that you can install software on your iPhone or iPad is through the Apple store. To a lesser extent, this is also something that's been a concern on Android devices. However, they aren't as locked down. You don't have this much of this walled garden. The Android store comes with the Play Store, which is where they would like you to go to get everything. But if you want to and have the savvy, you can install another location to be able to get your things. One of the most popular ones for that is the one by Amazon. So it is definitely possible to do that on a Android phone without really changing too much. I, I think you do have to put it in developer's mode, but that's it. You don't have to root it or break it or anything like that. However, on an Apple device, you can't sideload apps. Just it's not allowed. So they've been going back and forth. And one of the things about this is that in some cases, up to 30%, these stores take from the money from the developers that they make off of applications that they've sold through one of these app stores. Now, the idea is it's a huge marketing thing. They both Apple and Android and all of that do it well. But on the flip side is, is if you're a company that wants to be able to distribute your own software, you can't. So it went to court. It's now in appeals. And in the latest round with this is the appellate court saying that Apple did not violate antitrust laws. So we'll see where this goes. I don't know if this is going to be the last 
piece of the story on this or not, but it is definitely a setback for Epic Games. All right. Boba Fett actor says he was supposed to be in The Mandalorian Season 3, but nobody rang me. You know, Richard, <laughs> I think what I'm going to do is ask you for some details on this in our close, because this is something that's a little bit longer of a topic than we can really go over in the news. But the, the kind of 10 second version of this, as it were, is that um, Boba Fett was uh, supposed to be in season three. Evidently wasn't. I haven't seen the rest of him. So can you confirm that he was not in it, right? No, he was not in it. Okay. And he's saying that uh, he was expecting to be, uh, you know, book of Boba Fett. It's not like he's not successful. People like the character and the actor, but mm -hmm. uh, nobody called him. Well, not that unusual for Hollywood. We'll talk about that a little bit more later <laughs> yeah. in the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, Jeremy actually did get that. Don't call me. We'll call you. Oh, you literally. I mean, literally. It was the literally. exact words, too, you know? Uh-huh. And he was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. Mark Zuckerberg has dumped the metaverse for his newest obsession. Yeah, so this so is an is interesting that? thing. He's, I, I, you know, Meta, I mean, that, they renamed their company, right, from Facebook. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For uh, being able to uh, focus on that. And the thing with the metaverse is it hasn't really gone the direction I think that they expected it to go. I, I mean, you know, we all have the Quest 2 headsets. We've tried them. I haven't used mine, at least not for that purpose in a while. I, part of it, I just haven't had time. Others yeah. do. But the thing mm -hmm. of it is, is that there was this expectation that it was going to be kind of like the next iPhone. And yeah. it really hasn't gone in that direction. It has its place. But I, I don't know when I do use it for its intended purpose. I tend, I, not intended purposes, I use it for work and uh, building interfaces and stuff like that. But the intended purpose is that you get onto the meta platform and, you know, do various things, download apps, watch movies, whatever the case may be. And yeah. some of that is kind of cool, but it's not you know, where I want to spend my life, I guess, is, and, and so I kind of get why this hasn't quite gone in the direction. It is not ready player one, you know? One of my um, problems is that I don't have a safe space to put it on. Yeah. Because uh, you actually have to stand up. I like playing the Beat Saber game. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't done it for a while because the space that I was using got messy with projects. And so... I have to stop all the projects or move everything in order to do it safely. So I don't know, maybe others are having that problem as well. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. And the other thing of it is, too, is exactly what you talked about. I, I use it like the same thing to play games, Beat Saber being one of my favorites, too. But that's not what the intention of the metaverse was oh. or is. I don't think it's dead, but it's uh, a situation where it's not going where they want. The intention of the metaverse was I go and do my online shopping in a virtual environment, like I'm sort of in a store, but I'm actually online, but I can pick up the product and put it in my cart and then it gets delivered later. Okay. That I wouldn't kind of like interaction that. is metaverse or going to a, okay. a rock concert or something, you know, which something the rock you would do concert, in the real world. I can understand, but going shopping. No. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and how is that easier than just going to an e-commerce website and clicking on what you want? I mean, I guess that's my feeling. And then the other part of it too, is that there we're having a lot of problem with harassment and that kind of a thing. Uh, in mm -hmm. some cases, they've been able to make that better because it's a full, you know, again, you're not going and playing Beat Saber. You're going and interacting with other actual people in a virtual environment with no policing at all. Well, I mean, what could go wrong, right? Yeah, so, exactly. You know, and then Mark Zuckerberg, to go back to the news topic, seems to 
flip-flop from one thing to another sometimes. I don't know. Rich people do that, I guess. Uh, there's another Easily individual, bored. which I won't name his name right now, that seems to do that. Although, <laughs> being the richest person on the planet, I guess you can't really argue with him. But the thing <laughs> of it is, is uh, you know, and he came up with a cool, you know, not a flamethrower, so I really can't argue with him. But the thing of it is, as far as Zuckerberg is concerned here, he's now moving into the realm of AI. And it's being reported by the street and some other publications that he's quietly burying Meta. I don't think that's really the case. But he is definitely putting it on the back burner for development of AI. And um, that, mm. uh, you know, uh, uh, case, there's even a rumor that they're going to change the company and name again to Met AI. Um, that's not confirmed, but that seems to be floating around out there. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what it is. The other thing that's interesting is they've made a lot of changes, uh, like a lot of tech right now have laid off a lot of people at Facebook or Meta or whatever it's called today. And, yeah. you know, from that standpoint, there does seem to be a refocusing. They call it the year of efficiency, but it's actually more so than a lot of other companies, even Twitter, causing a morale problem among the engineers that are still there, not knowing if they're going to have a job from day to day, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so so I can understand where that's a concern. But, yeah, that's what's going on. And we're going to cover this a little more because with AI and all that's going on this year anyway, this is kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. Okay, our next story is Microsoft and Activision Blizzard knocked out as UK regulators blocks takeover. Oh, the drama. It's knocked Boom. out like a fight. Actually, kind of yeah. was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> background on this is Activision Blizzard has been having a lot of problems. Now, for me, it's kind of sad. I am a huge World of Warcraft person. I haven't played in a while, though, because things got very political, and it seems like their focus has not been on that game anymore. And I think plus the game has just been out there so long, it is starting to get a little old. But what this is about is Microsoft wanted to buy or merge with, I think it was by Activision Blizzard. And this has created some problems with the regulatory people saying, okay, this is going to create a, you know, like a, like a monopoly type thing. And other parts of the world, uh, they've been able to get around it or the litigation still pending. But in the United Kingdom, they have said, nope, this isn't going to happen. You can't do this, which makes a huge problem for them. I don't know how it's going to affect them in the rest of the world, but it might have knocked out the deal. Well, we've got a great show for you this week, so don't go away. We'll be back after the break. This is User Friendly 2.0. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. So the next topic came to light is one of our members of our show is getting married. Bill, your congratulations. Thank you. So, you know, looking at technology that's done in weddings, and you're going to have to tell me if uh, you and your bride are doing any of these things, because I found some of it to be kind of cool and some of it to actually seem like it's a little strange. And, you know, <laughs> technology marches on for everybody. I don't know how much of this I would consider good. But the first thing that a lot of people are doing in weddings now is tracking at least the bride and groom and the wedding party. And in some cases, the guests on a computer uh, to know where they are in the reception, where everybody is. Um, I don't know. That seems a little weird. Uh, what do you think? I definitely think that's a little weird, but I can see I why, like but, you know, 
I guess if you know one of them's going to run off, it's nice to know. <laughs> I guess there there is that right. So yeah, if you're out of range, so, and so what does everybody <laughs> get a beacon put on them when they arrive? You know, oh, or it's you in basically the various you know? devices. They have stuff like that. Uh, if you have a Fitbit, if you have a Apple Watch or a smartwatch, those can be tied into these systems. And okay, so and it goes on from there. There's another piece of this that there's a company because your Fitbit monitors, you know, blood pressure and all that kind of stuff. And there's a company where you can send the information to and they will give you a picture, a signature painting based on the heartbeat timeline of the bride and groom. (laughs) I've seen those on rings. Um, (laughs) I think the thing is, though, too, going back to it, you know, when you think about those like big, expensive weddings where everything's down to the minute, I can understand that a little bit closer, but I'm definitely not having one of those, thankfully. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine where, oh, man. you know, I know what and it's the amount like of money that's spent on this stuff stressful. can be upwards of thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, and it just seems like that's a lot. Yeah, I think I'd rather just, you know, do something small and buy a truck. Yeah, or a house. <laughs> I don't think you can buy a house anymore. At the rate money's going, it'll be a Starbucks coffee, but anyway. So, um, (laughs) all right. So number two actually made a lot more sense to me. And these are wedding drones. So you usually have photography and videography and all that at weddings, but now drones are becoming a very normal part of this. It just would seem a little weird to hear that running as you're going down the aisle. Yeah. I mean, I can see why, but like, I just, I don't feel like that's right. You know, I mean, I guess like a big sweeping thing where it's, you know, way out of the distance, but. It's right there. I don't know. Close, no. Drones are, I, I would hire someone in a jetpack to do it. If you're going to do that, just go all the way, you know. But in <laughs> oh. all seriousness, this is something that's being done. In fact, it's becoming a very normal part of wedding photography uh, being offered to have drones. Now, the next one kind of creeped me out a little bit. I think it was because in the list of things on this, the picture was a little bit weird. But they're now starting to have bridal bouquets with a built-in GoPro camera that it captures everything. So as the bride's holding the bouquet, Everything's on camera, so there's like this lens in the front of the flowers. Ew. Wow. I I can see people that I know would do that, but not me. <laughs> I mean, think about it. You're, she's holding it like, uh, you know, you're going to see up her nostrils, you know, or you're going to have the, the belly button, button shot of the groom. You know, it's going to be weird. Wait, wait, wait. Is it like just one angle or is it a 360? Um, I would think it's probably, well, it couldn't be a 360 because the flowers would block it. It's probably a 180, just looking at the way the text set up. So it's it's not a straight shot, but it's not a full circle either. I mean, that would be something that would be interesting for family members, is having like a VR level 360 set up, you know? Set it up in one of the pews or whatever. So yeah, that, you know, that somebody come back and be like, I experienced made. the wedding. Uh, that people know is there and do a 360. Now that makes a little more sense than a kind of oddly placed well, camera lens. Think in the about bouquet. it. The bride's going to be holding this bouquet. If she's nervous, then you might have the camera shaking. Yeah, That's going to make everybody sick. On GoPros. Oh, really? They've gotten better at that? But it depends oh, on how okay. much she's shaking. I mean, if someone yeah. was going to marry me, you probably wouldn't would need more than just tech to stabilize the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so I guess, uh, you know, whoever to each his own on that. Now, the next one, we've talked about robots, and they're popping up everywhere, including weddings. And there is a company that's putting out robots that actually go around the wedding and live stream it. 
So they're able to interact with people almost like a virtual presence device, take photos, wander around, get different vantage points. So somebody that's not able to attend in person can watch online through the vantage point of one of these robots. I'm cool that might that. be fun. Yeah. You know, I think that's kind of cool. I, I like uh, that one. <laughs> there is a, a sushi shop in Anaheim that uses robots to serve everything and probably other places too. And it's pretty cool. So done right. I can see where that would work. Now this next one actually totally makes sense. 3d printed wedding cake decorations. Oh yeah, definitely save money on that. Save money and be able to do whatever you want. Companies out there putting out software for this, but I think if you knew how to use a 3d printer properly, you could probably, yep. uh, That'd be that fun. One other thing that's appearing at a lot of the bigger weddings is availability for the guests to just get selfie sticks, charging stations. So it's like you go in almost like an airport and you can plug your phone in or your camera to keep it charged while the wedding is going on. Yeah, I could see that with today's just climate of things. Okay, now I don't know. This seems like one that you'd have to have a big ego to do. Crowd sourcing the reception dance floor. In fact, what that is, is crowdsourcing random people to show up to make it look like you have a big crowd when you do your dance. Wow. I could see people who do this, but <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that would be necessarily the wedding I would want. No. I think it'd be tacky. I, I think that would turn it into a bit of a, I don't know. Circus? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one that comes directly from Disney. They're, they're the ones that kind of imagined this in the movie. Light projections on a wedding cake. So you have your wedding cake and then you have a projector using it as a form of a screen showing whatever it could be old school photos, videos, song lyrics, whatever the case may be. Doing it on a cake seems a little problematic to me. It just seems like it'd be easier to do it on something else. I could see the idea of having video, you know, that makes sense and photos and that kind of a thing. But like or you said, I think that there like might be a better ambience. way to project it. I mean, if it was a hologram, that would be a totally different scenario. You know, so the wedding de or cake decorations, you just have holograms sticking off of it. You know, that kind of technology is coming. It's not quite here as much as robotics and some of these other things, but holographic technology is definitely out there. We're seeing it more and more, and I could see that coming. All right, I'm going to give you the last one on this list. Wedding exits with driverless cars. For some reason, this has become a thing, and a lot of the bigger wedding companies are offering this now is that when the uh, wedding couple leaves, they leave in an autonomous vehicle. I guess. I don't know, is that important? That. No. <laughs> I mean, my, my dad and mom left in a Chevy truck. It was a Chevy. <laughs> it might have been a Dodge. <laughs> now, now, wait, you're going to cause a problem with that with our Chevy and Dodge people. So, <laughs> <laughs> Bill, do you even the, remember how Jeremy and I left? I don't even remember. I don't either. Uh, being the best man for that, I was kind of involved in other things and trying to deal with stuff, and you guys were gone. So, no, I don't remember how you left. It could have been, I don't know. <laughs> I, maybe Jeremy was in his car, and I just got into the car, and there we went. <laughs> it might have been, there, there wasn't a lot of pomp and circumstance. I know no. that. So, well, anyway, that's kind of what we're seeing in wedding tech, and it'll be interesting to see where this goes. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 
This part of the show, we endeavor to answer questions, and we're going to be doing a few, a full rather, Q&A next week. But we wanted to focus on one thing that's been coming in, is the idea of electric vehicles, or more to the point, alternative fueled vehicles. A lot of focus has been placed on electric vehicles or EVs, but there are other things out of the market. And one thing that a lot of people have been asking about is the idea of hydrogen-powered cars, planes, whatever the case may be. And is this something that is actually out there and being used? And with a little bit of looking around, the answer to that is actually yes. It's not terribly in the mainstream, but it is enough that Toyota, Hyundai, and Honda all make or have made a hydrogen-powered car. Cool. And the interesting thing about this is when done safely, it is zero emissions. You are, you know, water and oxygen, which are already out there. You power off of a fuel cell, so you would have to have an infrastructure to be able to either generate or refill that fuel cell. So in the United States, where Toyota's trying this out with a model called Mirai, I think I'm saying that right, is in the state of California. And one of the things about this is that it doesn't produce the waste that's being created by EV batteries. You don't have emissions. So there are a lot of arguments, at least, where this kind of a thing uh, would, would make sense to be used. You know, it, it basically what you're doing is you have a hydrogen-based engine, electric motor, that turns the wheels of the car. It's the, it's, it works in the same way that a battery car would. And instead of the batteries, though, you have a fuel cell stack, uh, which pure hydrogen passes through a membrane to combine with oxygen from air, producing the electricity that turns the wheels. So in a form, it is an electric car and the emissions from it being water vapor. And I hear this is being used in other things too, flight machines and stuff. But on the vehicle standpoint, it is interesting to see that this is actually out there. Now, one school of thought argues that these aren't really something that's ever going to come in the mainstream. There's another school of thought that seems like they're going to. The technology itself isn't that new. It's been around for a while. But the use of it in this way is definitely something different. The other thing that's interesting, too, is the Toyota car that runs on hydrogen looks a lot like maybe a Celica. So that's about the size of what you would expect. However, the Hyundai Nexo is a vehicle that is a crossover SUV. So it isn't limited to just a car platform. So where, do you, where would you get these fuel cells? How would you obtain them? Well, the fuel cell, okay, so what they're doing, at least on the Toyota front, and that's a good question, is there isn't a huge infrastructure yet to be able to get them. There are places you can get hydrogen. They do exist. But you would have to know where they are, kind of like the idea of an EV charging station if you have an electric vehicle. California has a better infrastructure for this than a lot of places, which is why they do it. But right now, if you buy the Toyota car, they include, I believe it's uh, 15,000 miles of free fuel. Um, and then there's a number of years on that that you get it for. So that's the idea that when you buy the vehicle, you actually wouldn't have to purchase fuel, at least for a while. And they have them available on a lease or a purchase uh, type arrangement. So you could get it and try it out if you wanted to on a lease and go from there. They are not cheap, although cars are expensive anyway. But um, you're looking about 40000 for the base model, 66000 for the version with all the bells and whistles. Um, and the bells and whistles on that in addition to being stuff that you'd expect in a car like leather and navigation, something that Hyundai or uh, what is it? No, Nissan seems to have forgotten people want. 
is that these uh, type of vehicles also, if you get the better ones, have more range. So this is a little different from some other things too, although electric cars have a very similar comparison. So you do want to look at something, some electric cars only go 80 miles and then you have to recharge. So if that's your daily driver, that's fine. If you're going to drive any kind of a distance, it's not. So it seems like the hydrogen vehicles all range around 300-ish, a little less, a little okay. more, depending on the model and the version. So they do seem to have a longer range. But if you spend more money, you get an even longer range. So that's ah, kind of how that breaks down. To me, this is just you know an evolution from the propane-powered ones, which I always thought should have been more prevalent but uh because they very minimal emissions you know yeah and but the problem is that i've always come into is i used to do filling of propane tanks and it is a very wasteful process just filling a tank so really okay well you, you fill it and you have a basically a bleeder valve and you basically run it until it starts shooting out propane and that's how okay. the tank is full Wow. Okay. That doesn't sound particularly safe. This is safer, but my goodness. All right. Well, let's see where this goes. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Another question that's been coming in, and I think this is becoming a little bit more of an issue, which is what's prompting it, is this. Is your internet provider throttling your Wi-Fi speed? And how do you figure that out? And there's a lot of things that you actually do need to look at with this because you might be having a situation with slow Wi-Fi, and it may or may not be the internet provider. So let's talk about ISPs first. So this is basically what the rules are here in the United States. Is it possible that your ISP is making your Wi-Fi slower on purpose? Yes, it's possible. And what the explanation of this is, is because of a 2019 Supreme Court decision in which the court declined to hear an appeal on net neutrality, ISPs can still legally stifle your internet, limiting your broadband if you're streaming more TV than they want and serving slower connections to websites owned by their competitors. So they're allowed to do this. So yes, it's possible. And, you know, from that standpoint, I think that's really not cool. And you can tell if this is the case by running speed tests. There's a number of sites to do that and different things like that, but they're not even always accurate. You'll be able to tell because you stream video one day and it works, and then you stream it the next day and it doesn't, or certain websites are slower than others. Those are all signs of it. Yep. So here's how you hack it Okay. if you're having this problem. And the way you do it is get a good VPN because most throttlers, ISP throttlers, have to look at your actual IP address to be able to know whether to do that or not. And if you get a VPN, you can get around it. Those do cost money. There's usually a monthly fee to be able to get onto that. But a VPN will change the IP address depending on what's going on. Now, if you really want to take it a step further, you can also get what's called an Onion or a dark web browser like Tor. That'll also randomize a lot of this stuff. Don't go to the dark web, and I just don't recommend that. But the thing of it is, is the actual software can also have the same effect. The problem and the difference with that is, is a VPN can randomize your entire network, where the browser is usually only the computer that it's installed on. And Tor so, does have limitations. Tor does have limitations, yeah. And 
Bill, as I'm sure you know, there are other dark web browsers that don't have those limitations. I just, again, don't recommend it because there are also no security controls on these things and you have to be careful. Plus, mainstream browsers like Chrome simply don't go to the dark web. These will, so it's easy to stumble upon stuff too that you really probably don't want to deal with. Yeah. So nobody needs a that being said, low Wi-Fi is not necessarily your ISP. And one of my own things that I can speak from experience on this is a while back I had bought a what they call a Velop mesh network. It's made by Linksys. It is actually a good network. And when I got it, it was Wi-Fi 5. So there's versions of Wi-Fi just like anything else. And the original thing was, well, this can later be software upgraded to Wi-Fi 6. Never happened. But, you know, it worked well for the time I had it. And then I started running into some problems um, because I, at least I've been told by my girlfriend especially that it is not normal for a 1,600 square foot house to have over 140 devices on their Wi-Fi. I, uh-huh. I'm not sure how she figures that. I, I don't know what I'd take off. Because she's but, logical. <laughs> that being the case. I hit the maximum number of devices that were able to be on the mesh. So I had to buy another mesh tower. So at the time we upgraded to Wi-Fi 6, uh, the enhanced version of it, the really good stuff. Now, this is one thing where I will tell you, if you do this, you need to open your checkbook and be prepared for it. It was almost $1,000 for that upgrade. And Wi-Fi 6 offers different versions and that kind of thing too. So you can get something that's not quite as fancy and it just kind of depends on what your needs are. But to get the number of devices I wanted, I needed the very, you know, kind of high-end version of it. it will support 94 devices on each uh, mesh tower, and then I have three. So that'll accommodate me at least until the end of next month. So, um, you know, then I can add more. But the one thing that I had happen, and this was really eye-opening, is my internet connection speed in my house on the Wi-Fi was about 200, 250 megabit. Okay. So hardwired connection, there was also some lag. And, and on the Wi-Fi 5, that's still a lot faster than a classic Wi-Fi router. But it's still having a one point, what is it, three gigabit internet connection. It's like, you know, this isn't really, uh, really doing what I wanted to do. So all of a sudden, I get the new system set up. I turn on the laptop, which had a Wi-Fi 6 card in it. And I get this message. Your Wi-Fi has been upgraded. You will be happy. It was worded differently, but that's basically what it said. And all of a sudden, I start speed checking about 1.1 gigabit on the Wi-Fi, which now means the Wi-Fi had was faster and had less lag than the hardwired connection did. So weird. That was to me kind of interesting. And then the other side of it that was uh, uh, another cost was I figured out my wired switch because I still use it for some stuff was one gigabit. They do make a 2.5 gigabit copper switch. But they're like $200, but I went ahead and upgraded that as well. And now all of a sudden with all that kind of being in place, it just flies. Now to get that speed, because I would get throttled by the carrier is I have two different internet connections coming in here. I have Starlink and I have the local cable company. Um, what is it here? Xfinity, I think. And those, I have a setup where they can run in tandem to be able to deliver the higher speed. And the other thing that's nice about it is because with both of them, I've had experiences of downtime. So it's like a backup. And since I work from home, it's kind of necessary to have the internet work all the time. But that's a little bit more than most people will do. But the thing of it is, is even with getting a good fiber connection or high cable or one of the new wireless, you know, 5G 
isn't just for phones. They're coming up with a lot of things now where that can be used to do your internet in your home and you can get speeds equivalent to the wired stuff. But if you have slow Wi-Fi and old equipment, it's not necessarily that they're throttling you. It's just that your equipment's out of date and you're not able to use the speed that you have. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. Have you guys had problems with Wi-Fi speeds? Yeah, I have. I think, I think a lot it's of times. Well, you know, and it's, it is very possible that it is. So, by the way, for testing speeds, because this is another side of it we said earlier, is they aren't always accurate. Um, DSLreports.com slash S-Test, it's not just for DSL anymore, is a good one that I use. There are speed checks built into a lot of the Wi-Fi 6 systems, which tend to be a lot more accurate. And then the other thing you can do is most internet service providers provide a test that you can use as well. But the thing of it is, is from that standpoint, you don't always know if that's accurate and if they're not telling you about the throttle. So anyway, that's something to look for. But check your equipment. That would be the first place to go. Do some of these checks and let us know what you find. Is it your equipment or are you being throttled? This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Great show as always this week. And, you know, this segment has kind of just become our de facto. We talk about what's going on in television, pop culture, movies, whatever the case may be. And right now, especially since there is definitely a like of the Star Wars franchise for the most part on the show, <laughs> I have to ask the question what is going on with Mandalorian? It's lighting up social media, and there's all kinds of rumors that seem to be going around. And Gretchen, yeah, you tend to know about this stuff. Well, I was looking, scouting for news, and it was just tons and tons of articles and, and podcasts about The Mandalorian. Now, um, season three is completed. And so, and at the end, it almost has a feeling that if they decided to walk away from the series, that they could. There's like this happily ever after ending. Right. And so... If they didn't get back to it, at least it has a satisfying feel. But there is tons of open doors for possible new adventures. And um, some of the stuff the, um, that I was seeing was that um, people were worried that Bo-Katan was taking over the Mandalorian show. But the thing is, is the Mandalorian, it's all about Mandalorians, period. So that's right. the reason why you have Din Djarin, you have Boba Fett, you have Bo-Katan, and all of those other people. Okay, so what really about cool Boba order. Fett? Okay, That well, was another thing that seems to be floating around out here is that there was some problem with his character or the actor or something. Yeah, there's this story going around, and I don't know if it came from Star Wars Celebration or exactly what, that um, Tamora Morrison had said he was waiting to be called, and he had gotten the impression that he was supposed to be in the third season. Right. And right. nobody ever called him. And, nobody ever uh, called him. In. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we've had that happen actually to one of our, our companions who was going to yeah. do a voice voice part for the Mandalorian. I've had that and, happen, not with Mandalorian, but myself too, where you just don't hear anything. So I don't think yeah. that's that terribly unusual. Although it's not if you're unusual Fett, for it might be a little more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 When, if you're Tamora Morrison, that, you know, that's probably a little more of a big shock because he's a pretty big star, you know, he's yeah. a well-known yeah. character. 
an actor. Um, matter of fact, thinking back uh, to a moment with Jeremy and I, we were at uh, the Silicon Valley Comic Con. Jeremy was wearing his Jedi costume, and I don't remember what I was wearing. I was definitely not a Jedi. And we saw Tamora Morrison walking, you know, kind of towards us. And we had been told, oh, don't bug the stars. Okay, we mm-hmm. won't, you know, harass the star. And and as, he, as we walk past him and he walks past us, he goes, Jedi, like that. And Jeremy was just like, he was so shocked that he even when said anything to him. individual calls Jeremy. you a Jedi, you're a Jedi. <laughs> <Yeah>. And listen, <laughs> on that note, this is User Friendly 2.0. Until next week, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2023, User Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. Views expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting and technology provided by wearetechnology.com. Listen at theanswerportland.com, userfriendlyshow.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts.